0: How are we doing Jets fans? I'm Glenn Norton with Jet Nation Radio, JetNation.com. Be sure to check us out online at JetNation.com and join what is the most active Jets message board on the web. Um, for those of you who are regular listeners to Jet Nation Radio, you know we're trying a little something new. We're going to be doing an early show now uh, to accommodate some of our time differences from the UK to the US. And I am, uh, couldn't be happier for our first early morning show or earliest show. Uh, we're going to have Scott Mason of Play Like a Jet. Now Scott and I, I'm sure. If you're listening to this show, you're definitely listening to Scott. You're familiar with him. Uh, we talked quite a bit offline, and we spoke the other day and said, "Let's uh, let's get together and 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 do this pod today." So Scott's here with us to talk about what's going on with the Jets in terms of what happened at the game yesterday, which Scott was lucky enough to attend. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the contributions from some of these young guys on the roster, and uh, and and also the fact, Scott. We spoke earlier in the week. We both predicted a 34-31 Jets win. So tip of the cap to us. I forgot to Mm -hmm. send that tweet out before the game. That's on me. I'll get that right next time. (laughs) But but in all seriousness, Scott, uh, thanks for joining us, man. Really happy to have
1: you. Glenn, first of all, uh, it really is amazing how we got that one completely right. I don't know how we were the only two people that knew it. I'm just upset that I didn't bet it and that I didn't tweet it out. Like you said, that's on us next time. Be be better. Be better, you know. It's great to be on a podcast with you because I'm going to peel the curtain back a little bit. You and I talk multiple times a day, so it just makes so much sense that we would do this podcast because we talk so much. So it's really great to be able to have a long-form conversation with you on a day when it's actually a good mood for us as far as being Jets fans, which has been rare these days, man. I mean, how many times you were talking about this have we gone into a Monday and it just the sky seems like it's darker and everybody around you seems more annoying and every you you could go down the line gas prices seem like they're higher even if they're not like everything in your life just seems a little bit worse but today the birds are chirping the sun is out you know it it feels a little warmer even if it isn't because it's november now it doesn't matter it feels that way because the jets yesterday gave you something that They hadn't given you all year. The Tennessee game was was a lot of fun. It was thrilling, but it didn't really pick up until the second half. That first half, there wasn't much going on. And then it clicked this game from the beginning when they scored that touchdown all the way to the end when you had that penalty and all that other stuff. It was a thrilling, fun, competitive football game on both sides of the ball. Glenn, I think we agree. That was all we really wanted this year. Like, yeah, wins are nice, but we understood where this team is. So if they won four or five games, okay, that's just what's going to happen. But for us to be able to watch this team yesterday, especially when we didn't expect it, that's the, the craziest part. The Bengals are not only one of the best teams in the league going into yesterday, they were the one seed in the AFC they're loaded on both sides of the ball. Their defense is a top 10 defense. So for the jets to be able to do this with Mike white of all people now to give you credit, I know you were high on Mike white for a long time, even before the jets had him. You were out there going into that draft in 2018, saying that you thought he would be like a good Kirk cousins pick. And I'm not saying he was going to be as good as Kirk cousins, but meaning like the jets would pick a quarterback at the top of the draft and then maybe pick white later. But for him to do this yesterday when no one expected it and all we expected was another slaughter and it felt like it was going to be a chore to watch that game, but instead for it to turn into what it turned into, which was a complete joy and a fun Sunday, what else could you have asked for Glenn?
0: Yeah. You know, that's the thing is that this year, the, um, excuse me, the bar is pretty low and that's, that's what as Jets fans were going in and saying, Just play competitive. You know, my my thought was, I thought the Jets, I probably had the Jets winning more games than most people did this year. But my thought process was, my expectation, I should say, was that once you added Morgan Moses, I figured he'd be your day one starter. I'm counting on Moses and Becton being there most of the season and AVT being in the equation. And I thought you just pound the rock all year, let Zach Wilson pick his spots, accurate quarterback, you know, not so much ground and pound, but, but a little bit of that, like a little more run than we've seen. Of course, mm-hmm. Becton goes down that really limits, you know, or it hurts your run game big time. And then Zach Wilson, you know, instead of, instead of having him pick his spots and throw it 20, 25 times a game, he's throwing it 35, 40 times a week. And he's with, with a weak run game. So you've got no, the teams aren't respecting play action teams aren't having to respect anything you do. And then the kid starts to press and it, it kind of starts falling apart. Um, but one thing I wanted to ask you about in terms of the, the performance from Mike White yesterday, because, I did a, a quick post game video, and I said it on on the forums and Jet Nation. Um, to me, just watching from home, the the thing that was the the most the biggest difference on, on offense wasn't just the quarterback. It was the fact that Mike LaFleur, uh deployed a lot more four and five receiver yeah. sets. Even at times when he went four, he'd, he'd have Michael Carter in the backfield, split him out wide, and it becomes a five receiver set. And we saw Mike White just make quick decisions, find mismatches, find guys open and, and hit them, you know, without hesitation. And I feel like the comparisons right now to Zach Wilson and Mike White are, it's not an apples to apples comparison because Zach Wilson has spent, at least in my opinion, too much time on the field with guys like uh, with, with Ryan Griffin, Tyler Croft, Devon Wesco. I'm looking at this group and I'm saying, I know you said it. We, anyone paying close attention to this team said, Joe Douglas has assembled a really good receiving group right now. Like the jets are five, six deep. If, if the jets deploy a five receiver set, their fifth receiver is going to be better than your fifth db almost every time. and so let's find these mismatches these mismatches and exploit it. We didn't see that with Zach Wilson all of a sudden yesterday, Mike White steps in and bang four and five receiver sets all over the field, and he's just he's just hitting guys and nothing nothing fancy just finding the open man and hitting him did Did you notice that during the game, and how much difference do you think that made?
1: Oh yeah, of course, and it made all the difference. I think a big part of it too is that. Mike white was executing a different style of offense. It felt like, because as you said, you had all those different receivers on the field for the love of God, Denzel Mims was getting a ton of snaps for the first time, really, because even in games he's gotten in, in the past, he's only gotten in a handful of snaps, but he was in a lot yesterday, even made a big play very early that got called back on a penalty. But what I, what I noticed with Mike white was not only was that stuff different, but with Zach Wilson, I guess because he's so talented and can do so much, they would ask him or allow him, I don't know, I guess that's something that you would have to ask the coaching staff behind the scenes, whether they were actually having him do this or it wound up this way, but he would go down the field or he would take make risky throws or whatever. Mike White was just, show, was just throwing short, quick darts. Ball was out of his hand at the snap of your fingers and it was just quick strikes. And so... The offensive line, I thought did a really good job, but for the most part, Mike White didn't really put that much pressure on them to do a lot of blocking or holding because he was getting the ball out so quick and it was nothing fancy. We said on the postgame podcast on play like a jet last night with Andy Vasquez from North that he didn't have any passes beyond 20 yards. It was all very short stuff, but it's like what Mac Jones is doing in New England. And as we know. That worked for him last week against the Jets, and it's worked for him pretty well so far throughout the season. And what they were doing was putting him in a position where he was going to strike quickly and not be in a spot where he would have to do a lot or be able to, I guess, be too risky and make mistakes. Now, he did have the interceptions, and they were tipped, so they're not entirely on him. I would say the Michael Carter pass was not his best pass. He threw a dart short and it wasn't a great throw and the one that i think actually was the worst throw was the one that wasn't an interception went off the guy's hands if you would have caught it it might have been a pick six so it's not like mike white was perfect let's just say that but i I think for exactly what they asked him to do he did as good of a job as you could have ever reasonably expected for a guy who as we said was a fifth round pick a couple of years ago i think the jets they said on the broadcast yesterday when i was re-watching it They had him on and off the roster like 11 different times since they picked him up in 2019. I wonder, by the way, if this was a Gase move, because remember, Gase was the coach when they first brought Mike White in. I'd love to know if that's who it was or if it was Douglas. But either way, it's kind of funny if it was Gase that you'd say, oh, look, Gase was the one that had the eye for Mike White. Uh, when he brought him in here in 2019 but I think ultimately it made so much of a difference exactly what you're saying the different sets and I think maybe part of this is a Mike LaFleur being upstairs so he could see the field in a different way and kind of get a better feel for the way that the game is going sort of that all 22 view, like we were joking about before we started recording and the other thing is too I wonder if they just had sort of a for lack of better phrase, come to Jesus moment where they all just sat down after last week and were like, all right, we got to make some serious changes here, which you would have thought they would have done earlier. And you'd have thought they'd done that after the buy, but maybe it finally sunk in where it's like, okay, we got to stop with the Ryan Griffin, Trevon Wesco stuff. We got to start getting more and more wide receivers in here. The guys that, as you said, Glenn, can make plays and exploit mismatches because even if the jets don't have the best wide receiving core in the NFL, they have one of the deeper ones from one to five where, you know, Keelan Cole is a pretty respectable wide receiver. Denzel Mims. We've seen what he can do. Elijah Moore. We heard all about him in camp. We saw what he did at Ole Miss. Davis was hurt yesterday, but he's a guy, obviously that's a really, really good receiver when he's healthy. So you could go down the line and you could have Four and five receiver sets. Braxton Berrios isn't bad. I mean, uh, the people that say he's Jamison Crowder, I think are a little bit out there, but Jamison Crowder, another guy constantly making plays, and he's perfect for that quick strike type of offense because he's always getting open and always making plays with the ball in his hands. So I think you're right. I think it made a ton of difference, and I hope that they continue to do this. Now, I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit more later, but I am curious to see how the Indianapolis Colts react to this on Thursday night, because now there's tape of Mike white. Now people know what he's going to do. Our team's going to be able to stop him and make it much more difficult on him. We'll find out, but for now, what they did worked. And so, you know what they say, Glenn, and I don't know who they is, but whoever they is, what they say is, if something's working, you keep doing it until it's not working anymore. So Hopefully it keeps working.
0: <laughs> yes. And whoever they are, they were right. <clears throat>
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: But but that is, what's going to be interesting is, and that was one of the reasons I liked Mike white out of Western Kentucky, um, not just the poise, but the, um, I felt like his, his deep to intermediate accuracy was really good. Uh, I think his junior year, it was sort of really upper tier and then it dropped off as a senior, but he picked up his play late in the year. And he, you know, he threw for a, a million yards in college of course, it's Western Kentucky, so you can you kind of temper your expectations. Um, and, I, you know, I, I can't it, – it, it wasn't just by chance that I, I, I came upon Mike White. I'm sure you're familiar with Eric Galco, who he now runs sure. the, the, uh, the Shrine Bowl. He previously worked with uh, SI and, and, and the XFL. He was their personnel guy. Mm-hmm. Um, we had him on our show a couple times, and we said – you know, I said, give us a sleeper, and he was like, Mike White could be a first-round pick. And now, and now even though we didn't come close to that, um, to give Eric Galco credit, he was the first person I saw who, um, who said Patrick Mahomes is a first-round quarterback. Um, he was on that train before anybody else. Um, he also, he was right about the round, but the player didn't pan out. He was the first guy I saw who said, this kid Paxton Lynch could be a first-round talent. So even though he didn't pan out, you know, he nailed both those guys. And he was like, all right, you know, I was like, that gives this guy some credibility. So then I went back and watched a bunch of Mike White, and I was like, I can see that this is a talented guy. Whether it pans out, we'll see. And as you said, the key is going to be, how does he adjust this week to what the Colts will obviously show him? It will be different than what he saw this week now that, as you said, they've got film on him. And, uh, and we may get to see some of that, you know, that intermediate to, to deep ball uh, placement because just the Jets may have to stretch things a little bit if the Colts sort of crowd the line and, and try to slow down the short stuff and, and if they're effective at doing that. But I think to me, one of the, one of the things I wanted to touch on uh, yesterday was the, how many contributions and not just, you know, uh, we're not talking just like a tackle or a, you know, a, a a pass broken up or whatever, like some really legitimate contributions from a lot of young guys. I mean, you're going to get that with a young team, but these are guys that they're still, you know, a lot of, you look at Bryce Hall, you know, yeah, he's in year two. Um, but Elijah Vera Tucker was an absolute monster. Again, he's already playing. if, If he continues to play the way he is, he, he probably gets pro Bowl consideration. I'm not saying he's going to the pro Bowl, but the guy has been fantastic. Um, yeah. So you have him on the interior. Elijah Moore played his best game. Again, there was a flag on McGovern, but he's wide open down the field. Mike White overthrows him on what would have been six, if not for the flag. But uh, I think that's one of the big things with Elijah Moore that I've touched on. He's open. The, yeah. the plays are there. If the yep. quarterback delivers, he's got huge numbers right now. So mm-hmm. when I see people saying, Oh, this kid, you know, all this hype in the preseason, he can't play. The kid can play. He can play plenty. And when they start hitting him regularly, he's going to be a difference maker in my mind. And, and really most, most folks, but you look at Elijah Moore, you look at Elijah Vera Tucker, you look at the way Bryce Hall is playing both the Michael Carters, Michael Carter. The, the, you know, the second yeah. had a really nice job, nice game in the secondary, Michael Carter at running back, his best game as a pro um, to me, it was a little, I, t- I tweeted this earlier, a little reminiscent of Bilal Powell. Like, when was the last time we had a guy who you saw pick up the blitz as well as he did yesterday, catch it out of the backfield, run it out of the backfield? Not spectacular at any one thing, but really good at everything else. So, you know, it's kind of give me 53 guys like that and I'm, I'm set. That type of thing. So so what are your thoughts on the contributions? Even Zuniga had a sack. Um, <laughs> you know, con- congrats to him. I've, really? I've said that i am you know, I, I think he's the least likely guy in that class to make it. Um, and but I've also said look maybe I'm wrong right I'm a fan I'm watching the games this is what I'm seeing Um, but and you know you mentioned Denzel Mims of course kind of getting involved in the offense again but but how how nice is it to see these guys in year one and year two kind of you know as the first half of the season wraps up and gets behind us we see these guys start making strides and playing at a high level I mean Hall at this point Bryce Hall week to week he's kind of climbing that ladder of like He's going to he's going to crack that upper echelon of quarterbacks if he keeps going the way he's going.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, Bryce Hall had a couple of rough moments yesterday, but overall throughout the season, he's been really, really good. I don't know if I'd say he's quite cornerback one level in terms of like, you know, upper echelon in the league yet. But as you said, he's climbing that ladder. And by the end of the year, who knows? We might be talking about. Hall Island. I don't know that he's going to get to a Revis level, but I I think he could be a guy that legitimately you count on to cover another team's number one wide receiver by the time the the season is over. Elijah Vera Tucker is an interesting one because I dug in a lot on Elijah Vera Tucker's background. And the thing that I loved about him is he comes from a really good family, parents heavily involved in his life. They helped him not only make the decision to go to USC, but When the time came for him to decide whether or not to go pro, I don't know how familiar some people are with the story, but he was going to turn pro the year before, and he was going to opt out with all the COVID stuff. And Coach Clay Helton and his assistants basically went to him, and they said, look, we've done all this research for you. And, yeah, obviously there's a selfish motive for us here too, but we truly believe that if you come back – and we play you at left tackle and you show what you can do there, you will be a high first round pick. If you go into the draft now, you'll probably be a second rounder. But if you come back, we will get you to that level. We'll give you that opportunity to play left tackle. And he sat down with his parents and they uh, analyzed the decision and he was going to go to the draft and then changed his mind and went back to USC. Turned out to be a fantastic decision for him. And everybody got to see what an elite prospect he was. And, you know, When you talk about Elijah Vera Tucker, he was such a clean prospect. Our friend Joe Blewett used to say that there's no such thing as a perfect prospect when he's watching these tapes. But then he would text me and say, you know, I don't know if there's a perfect prospect, but Elijah Vera Tucker is about as close to a clean prospect as I've ever seen watching this. So you see him play, and he has just been fantastic. The funny thing is, arguably his worst game was against the Falcons in London and the story that Andrew Catalan told on the broadcast last week during the Patriots game when even though the Jets were terrible Elijah Vera Tucker was awesome he went the next day when John Benton was going to his office uh, after the Atlanta Falcons game Elijah Vera Tucker was waiting there when he got there and he just said, coach, I didn't play well yesterday. That'll never happen again. And well, look at what he's done the next two weeks. And you love to hear that about a young player. And it goes back to what I said with the character. He's a kid who everybody you talk to will say is a first rate kid. And you hear that about all these guys, Elijah Moore another fantastic kid you talk to anybody that ever played with him or coached him or knew him now obviously everybody knows about that one incident with the lifting up his leg but you know what whatever if that's the worst thing that a kid did so what he's a a first uh first rate kid same thing with michael carter you talk to anybody around that unc program all they'll tell you is about how everybody loved him he was looked up to as a leader And you go down the line of the young players. Bryce Hall was the same thing, man. You talk to people around UVA. I told this story, or I should say one of the guys who covers Virginia told this story on my podcast, but they actually had to give Bryce Hall uh, a curfew at Virginia, not to make sure that he was in his room because he was out partying, but because he was studying the tape so late. That they finally had to, the coaches were like, Bryce, we need to get home and be, be with our families. You got to be out of the film room by such and such time. This is a guy that during his non-football, non-scholastic hours would be going and teaching reading skills to under uh, underprivileged children in the Virginia area. So all these guys are just such great people and now you're seeing the performance translate too we knew what elijah moore could do you watch that tape and you're like man this kid looks like antonio brown and i'm not saying he's going to be antonio brown but my god like you said he's open the plays are there and we saw it yesterday mike white getting that ball out quick elijah moore making it happen and look even though it there was a penalty anyway so it went counted that was six points like you said He just overshot Elijah Moore, but Elijah Moore had like four steps on his man. That's an easy touchdown if that ball is there. Elijah Bear Tucker, like you said, I don't know if he's going to make the Pro Bowl. He's obviously, I would think, unless something crazy happens, going to make the all-rookie team. But he's playing at a Pro Bowl level, there's no question. I said this to you before we started recording. I think he's already the Jets' best offensive lineman, which is wild to think, you know, only halfway or less than halfway into his rookie season. At Michael Carter, you mentioned Bilal Powell, and there's an element of that because Bilal Powell was good at blitz pickups. He was a solid runner. He was decent at catching the ball out of the backfield. But Bilal Powell never put together that kind of all purpose performance. I think Michael Carter's just a a more talented guy. For as much as we love Bilal Powell, a lot of it was hustle and heart. And certainly Michael Carter has a ton of that because I was joking yesterday, I don't think. Michael Carter's ever been taken down on first contact. I, he always somehow finds a way to keep going when it looks like he's dead in the water, or even if he's behind the line of scrimmage, he finds ways to to avoid getting taken down by that first contact. But that performance that he had yesterday, I'm struggling. And you know, Glenn Jets history is my thing. I'm struggling to remember the last time that a Jets running back put together that strong of a dual threat performance because obviously look Isaiah Crowell had that 200 yard game and Thomas Jones ran for 200 yards. I'm not saying the last time a running back was that good. I'm saying the last time a running back gave you that much, both in the passing game and in the running game in the same game. So to watch these guys start to fill out and become real factors, which is what we were hoping for this year, above all else, like we said, entertaining football competitive football let the young guys develop right and it didn't really matter so much what the record was and we started to really see that yesterday and over the last couple of weeks but elijah moore doing what he did was awesome to watch elijah Varick tucker continuing to just toss dudes around and, and be phenomenal is great bryce hall like i said a couple of rough spots yesterday but overall this season he's been really really good uh, you know, you take a look at uh, the other the other youngsters that are on the roster, and even Mike White, who's not an old man by any stretch of twenty six years old, and it's just really thrilling to watch some of these pieces that we hope are going to be here for a really long time start to pay dividends. Michael Carter II as well. You mentioned him; he's a guy that uh, the guys on uh, that that do stuff with us on play like a jet, Clayton Smarslock, and Luke Grant both loved when they watched this tape after the jets drafted him they they watched it and they said this kid could be an absolute steal in the fifth round and he he's been as good as you could ever want from a fifth round slot corner and even brandon eccles i mean look he hasn't been amazing but he was pretty solid yesterday against the bengals and quite frankly for a sixth round pick what what more could you really expect he's been like an okay corner which is perfectly fine for where they got him and maybe he develops into something more in time. So really Glenn, you know, that I think is what the, the the best part of yesterday was. And hopefully that's more of what we see is that, like you said, the young players are really starting to play well and you're starting to see what Joe Douglas and Robert Salah's vision was for this team. Now, whether or not they can keep it up, we'll find out a little bit more about that on Thursday, but for now, a lot of us, you and I, certainly included, are very excited and very happy to be watching what is the best overall football this team has played in quite some time.
0: It, I mean, you pretty much nailed it um, with a lot of what you said, Eccles specifically. I kind of I did a, a little uh, brief article this morning, kind of looking at some of the PFF grades. And, you know, PFF, they're one of those things. Some people love them and some people hate them, but they've kind of grown to a, they're a big enough thing now. They, they're not going anywhere. Um, and you can take their grades with a grain of salt if you like. I apologize for the animal in the background here. Um, but uh, Brandon Eccles is a guy who, and I think I, it's similar to what I said, like for a sixth round corner, the guy's playing well. Like, you know, fans want everyone to be a superstar, but it doesn't always work out that way. Um, but one guy who can be a superstar, we've talked about ABT, how important is it that Beck can get back, stay healthy, play alongside him, and we uh, and we talk with I'm gonna this dog, and uh, and 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 how concerned are you with the injuries he's had? I've said I'm concerned based just the sheer number of games he's missed, but in fairness, it's been some freak injuries. It's been because Adam Gase is kind of an idiot and put him back on the field when he was still hurt. Um, how concerned are you with the injuries, and how forward are you looking to seeing them play side by side?
1: I'd be lying if I said I wasn't concerned. And it's a tough one because he didn't have an injury history in college. And I know everybody just assumed because of his size that he was a potential injury liability. But as you said, Glenn, before we started recording, some of this stuff is fluky and the plantar fasciitis. Yeah, it could be because he's a very large human being. But as you said, it could also be because he's just a very active guy. I know nba players get plantar fasciitis all the time marathon runners as you pointed out to me get plantar fasciitis all the time so maybe it's just bad luck so far but it is hard to watch how well tristan wirfs is playing with the bucks and then not see makai becton out there and then have those thoughts of maybe joe douglas messed up by not picking tristan wirfs now full disclosure I loved Becton coming out of Louisville. And I actually was on the Becton train before almost anybody. I remember it was, I think, just after Christmas. So it was late December. I forget who it was, but somebody said, have you seen this kid out of Louisville? And I said, who? And he said, Mekhi Becton. He's a tackle. I'm like, who watches Louisville? Lamar Jackson's not there. No one's watching Louisville. He goes, just trust me. He sent me a clip or two. And then he's like, find some more. Just trust me on this. I was like, all right. And I watched him and like, dude, it was the wildest thing. He was throwing guys 30 feet in the air. It was almost like if you remember on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, do you remember uh, when Uncle Phil would always throw jazz and he'd go flying through the front door onto the lawn? That's basically what it was with Makai Becton. Like he was blocking guys out of the frame. It was it was like a man uh, 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 against little boys out there. And I came away from this as, like, the stuff this guy's doing is probably illegal in 42 states. I was like, man, he would be a hell of a second-round pick. Like, if the Jets could get, you know, like a Werfs or somebody like that in the first round and then double dip and get Beckton, man, they'd be set at tackle forever. And then, of course, the Senior Bowl came. And Clayton Smarslock was down there, and then everybody was buzzing because Daniel Jeremiah had Becton mocked at number four to the Giants. So at that point, you're like, well, okay, if DJ's got him at number four, this dude isn't going to be a second-round pick. So then it became like he was the guy, you know, look, I liked all those tackles to a varying degree, but Becton was the guy that I I just thought had so much potential to be like an all-time great type of player. And you've heard Joe Thomas say that. Joe Thomas had him as his top offensive lineman. And he said, Makai Becton with even halfway decent coaching, assuming he stays healthy. And that now becomes part of the discussion Mm -hmm. is a guy that could be a gold jacket type of player. And this is Joe Thomas saying this. So this is not some hot take guy. And this is not somebody who doesn't know O line. Joe Thomas is one of the best offensive linemen in the history of professional football. Mm -hmm. So when he Mm -hmm. says that your, your ears perk up. And so we saw last year what happened with him, he was way ahead of schedule He was much better than we ever expected because we thought he was going to take some time to develop, but he was excellent when he played. But then again, it comes to that caveat when he played. And as you said, part of it is Adam Gase being an idiot and putting him back in that game when that never should have happened. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, I think Makai Becton's mom either retweeted or tweeted something to that effect and then eventually deleted it like shortly thereafter i don't i'm not saying she called him an idiot but it was something like why are they putting him back in this game kind of thing yeah and so now he gets hurt again and and then he had the training camp stuff and so you get to the point now where the, the question has to be asked right it has to be like should we be worried about it and yeah i think we have to be a little bit we we have to see where this goes. I mean, look, sometimes guys have injuries earlier in their early in their career and then they're fine the rest of the way. So that could very well be the case. But when he comes back, assuming that he's anywhere close to what he was or even improved upon where he was last year, you put him next to Elijah Vera Tucker, and man, we saw what Michael Carter did yesterday with Elijah Vera Tucker and Adoga and George Fant. What's going to happen when it's backed in there? And then obviously, you know, for the quarterback, it would be beneficial as well. But the running game, my God, I mean, how, you good luck trying to get around those two. So I, I think, it, like you said, it's going to be very important to have him back. Although credit where it's due, George Fant has done a very respectable job. I, I'm not a huge George Fant guy, but he he's done a very respectable job. In place of Beckton. we'll see what happens now with Vance injury. I'm not sure what's going to happen. Adoga even was halfway decent. Other than that false start penalty at the end of the game, he was even halfway decent during the game. But, you know, when you upgrade from those guys to Becton, it could be really, really fun to watch these guys just toss dudes and watch guys like Michael Carter have big holes to run through. It's not something we've seen from a Jets offensive line in quite some time. So if, if they're able to produce that, that, that'll really go a long way, I think, towards, as you said, Glenn, establishing the type of offense that we assumed the Jets were going to have at the beginning of the year, where they were going to lean a lot on the run, pass the ball when they need to, but really kind of use the run to get the tempo going and, and kind of lean on that. It didn't work out that way early on in the season, but maybe once Beckton comes back. We will see it. And then, you know, look, when Wilson comes back, or uh, well, I guess, you know, White keeps playing like this, maybe he won't. Uh, then maybe we'll see something different in terms of the play calls and the way that they just execute the offense. But yeah, well, uh, basically, I would say that uh, based on everything that, that I just said, my conclusion, and, and I think this is the reasonable conclusion to have, is that, yes, we should be a little bit nervous about Mekhi Becton's health, but we should also be super excited for when he comes back, especially now that we've seen what Michael Carter can do when he's got some holes there for him.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, not not a lot not too far off from what I'd said uh, on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, and so people got pretty upset. Um, so people started tagging Duke Manyweather to get him to get oh, mad at me. Oh, no. um, and he actually <laughs> replied, but Duke Manyweather was like, oh, uh, you know, I wish nobody gave up on me when I was 22 years old. And I'm like, I'm not giving up What's on anybody. Up on <laughs> I'm,
1: I, I'm,
0: I'm simply saying that right. up to this point in his life, he has missed two of every three games he could have played in. That right. is worth raising an eyebrow and going, Hmm, got to keep an eye on this. That's all I was saying. I'm literally saying hall of fame ceiling could be an all time. Great. Can't wait to see him start throwing people around again, but You know, there are certain segment of the fan base that can't tolerate like anything that's not 100 percent positive. Um, And even to say this guy's missed a lot of games. So, you know, you got to keep an eye on it. Oh, why are you hating on the kid? It's like, all right, psycho. I'm I'm just making an observation. But uh, that's the way it goes sometimes. And you know Twitter
1: social media for you, as we both know. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: Oh, you hate the Jets. You're not a real fan. You said he got hurt. But he but he did get hurt. I don't want to hear that (laughs) crazy times out there, man. Listen, Scott, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Look forward to having you on again sometime in the future. And uh, hopefully, listen, hopefully we're seeing some, uh, another, another W here Thursday night against Indy and, uh, and they string a few together and, and hopefully it becomes a quarterback controversy. Um, You know, we, we touched on it briefly. It's, it's, it's not there yet, but, and Robert Sala did say, you know, anything can happen, which is the right answer. But yeah. I think in today's NFL, like anything other than, no, he's not our quarterback, is going to be met with, oh, really? He, he didn't completely rule out the possibility of Mike White, because that's what coaches do now. They put out the fires, right? Is this yeah. guy your starter? Even if you think back to Todd Bowles, when Fitz threw 100 interceptions against Kansas City after the game, Ryan's our quarterback. Like, you don't budge on that because the media, the frenzy. You know, unless the, the you're
1: Brian Flores and then you, it looks like a hostage video. Yes, Tua is our quarterback right now.
0: <laughs> yes, I am. I am so. We love to. How do you say it again? What's his name? We love that guy.
1: We love yeah. the Tua tag of whatever his name is. He's yeah. our quarterback right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think the fact that Roberts, I mean, but as I, you know, as I said when we talked before we started here. Um, typical with the jets, you know, on the one hand we say it's one game, but of course, because it's the jets and there has to be a controversy, it's one of the greatest games any jets quarterback has ever played. (laughs) You know, it couldn't just be, he went out and played. Wow. He was impressive. He threw for 285 yards and a couple touchdowns. No, he became the second quarterback in NFL history to top 400 yards in his first start. (laughs) He caught a two point conversion. He completed 82% of his passes. Of course, people, I'm already seeing it. Bench Zach Wilson, Zach, Uh, by the way,
1: I got I got to say this before it leaves my head. When Mike White caught that two point conversion, man, uh, the stadium was only half full, but holy cow, were people going crazy? And then the Mike White chance, man, they weren't just happening during the toward the end of the game. When we were walking out of the stadium, the entire place as they were walking out were screaming, Mike White, Mike White. We get to the parking lot, people were honking their horns, yelling, Mike White, Mike White. So it just kind of goes to what you're saying, where, look, it's a rich man's problem, right? To have a potential quarterback controversy between two young, relatively inexpensive quarterbacks, where, hey, worst case scenario, one of these guys becomes a really nice trade piece. But at the same time, it is wild that because it's the Jets, not only does Mike White play pretty well, but he plays so well that now it's people are going to get rid of this Zach Wilson guy, send him back to BYU, you know,
0: <laughs> never a dull moment, right? Even uh, even something that should be simple, like guy comes out, plays well, gets himself, you know, uh, makes a name for himself. He, he, he blows it out of the water. So listen, hopefully, you know, I, I'm not saying he's going to throw for 405 against the Colts, but. As we said, we'll see him. He'll probably be asked to do more because Indy's going to defend what the Jets did this week, and uh, and see what he can do over the top, and uh, maybe some more opportunities for Denzel Mims and Elijah Moore and some of these speed guys. But thanks so much for tuning in, uh, for uh, for those of you who took the time. Scott, go ahead and plug your uh, your show, which I highly recommend.
1: Thank you, Glenn, and hopefully we'll get you on Play Like a Jet soon. We got to do more of these crossovers. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet One. Uh, the show is. God help me. Seven days a week. (laughs) So there's a fresh Jets show every single day for you. Uh, So if you're as hardcore of a Jets fan as Glenn and I are, there's something there for you. You're walking the dog, you're driving to work, you're going to the gym, whatever it is, there's fresh content. So the beautiful thing about it is you could listen to Jet Nation radio. You could listen to Glenn's show. You could listen to my show. And if you're doing like a hour long commute, you can get it all in, you know, all of those things. Or you know, one, you know, you listen to some on the on one way, and and on the way back, you listen to the, to the rest of it. But the show's available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, all of that. Like I said, seven days a week, and we have a pretty regular roster of guests during the season. Off season, we have some fun, and I'll get into that later when when the season's over. But right now, uh, Tim Jenkins comes on every week to. Breakdown Zach Wilson, although we thought we were going to take a couple of weeks off from Tim coming on the show. But the way Mike White played, I got to get in touch with him about coming on. Yeah, everybody (laughs) wants to hear about Mike White. So it's like, you know, let's get him on. Um, We do some some keys to the game stuff and a little bit of film with our guy, Luke Grant, the Thunder from Down Under. Chris Nimbley comes on for a uh, midweek news report just to go over the news and notes. Andy Vasquez does all the post game shows from the locker room. So he'll seriously, as soon as he wraps up in the locker room, he calls me and we do those. And that's always fun because it's an instant reaction with all the news and notes. Um, You know, we got know your foe, which is I'll have somebody on every week. To break down the other team this week for the Bengals, it was James Rapine, who's awesome. He covers the Bengals for SI and Locked on Bengals. This coming week, my friend George Bremer, who uh, covers the Colts for CNHI Sports in Anderson, the the Harold Bolton. He is incredible. Guy knows pretty much everything you could ever imagine about the Indianapolis Colts. So that's going to be a fun show. And then, Glenn, you know what the NFL is all about. It's about gambling. So what we like to do on Sundays for the pregame report is we go over the last second news, the injuries and all that. And then we have some fun. Chris Nimbley comes on. We we do all the prop bets. We say, OK, what do you, who do you like with the points? What do you like with touchdown ga- uh, wagers? What about the over-unders, all that stuff? And then Walter Cherapinski from WalterFootball.com will come on and uh, give his Picks for the week from around the league, so that if you're gambling or you have a survival pool or whatever, he helps you with that. And then we got the YouTube channel. We've got some some cool film up. I would imagine that Luke Grant is going to put up some Mike White videos this week. I can't imagine he wouldn't. So yeah, yeah we've yeah. got the YouTube channel. Check out the videos and subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, check out Play Like a Jet. Subscribe to that. Listen if you haven't already. Uh, Twitter at Play Like a Jet One. And listen, Glenn, it's been an honor being on with you. Like I said, you and I talk so much that it's great to finally be able to have a long form conversation with you. And I look forward to doing this with you again, a lot more often on here and on play like a jet too.
0: All right. Sounds great. Scott really enjoyed it. And uh, definitely more of this in the future. Take care, bud.
1: Thanks Glenn.